Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here, and welcome to another edition of The Shrink and the Pundit, where I, Jeff the Pundit, am joined by Dr. Keith Witt, The Shrink, to explore together the application of integral theory to real life, I think is basically what we do, Keith, isn't it? Yes, I think it is. Something, something like that. With great welcome. enthusiasm. Yes, indeed. <laughs> The topic and what got me so excited was what, how do you put it here? The seduction of quadrant absolutism, <laughs> which has a little bit of integral jargon to it. So I guess I'd start, Keith, by asking you to explain what you mean by quadrant absolutism. And I will put up a picture of the quadrants. There we are. So to. Everybody, most everybody listening, you can see that this is a, a, a simple representation of the four quadrants. And as we know, aqual is quadrants, levels, lines, states, and types. And the four quadrants represent the interior and exterior areas of individuals and uh, groups. The quadrants. Um, reflect the, the the great validity standards that come all the way from Plato of the beautiful, good, and true. The beautiful is what is attractive to me, the upper left quadrant. Um, the good is what feels right uh, uh, intersubjectively to us and to me around us. That's the lower left quadrant. Um, and the true is the upper right and the lower right, where we, drew, we, we view individuals and groups as objects, and we can have a set of observations and then have that replicated by other people, uh, a community of the adequate. <laughs> and, um, uh, and that's the true validity standard. And quadrant absolutism is when we lose one of those validity standards. That we get so excited about, say, looking at something as an exterior it, say I get so excited about looking at brain scans, that I begin to diminish the uh, reality of consciousness being an interior experience that cannot be reduced to brain scans. Or if I get so excited by a, a set of intuitions that I have about how um, uh, reality works, um, that I am not interested in whether there's confirming right quadrant data supporting my assertion. And I say, yeah, that's the way it is. And, and, and then resist often right quadrant data around that. Or mm -hmm. if, I, if uh, I could have quadrant absolutism in the lower left, I could have a moral um, uh, uh, disapproval or approval, say a moral disapproval of something. This is the classic one is the disapproval of sexual practices. But, you know, uh, being gay. Okay, so moral application, so you get caught up in that doesn't feel good to me and you don't get data from the beautiful you know, from what intersubjectively, how people work from the inside and how I'm working from the inside or from the true, from social research and clinical research about what it says about gayness. Um, you, can, you can have lower right quadrant absolutism. You can get so caught up in your understanding of social science that you lose a sense of cross-validation around interiors. Um, uh, and so structural social science, the is looks a lot at the communication be between individuals, but can lose um, the vast variation of any individual interior. And, you know, when I was sort of noodling about how we would position this and what I might title this and so forth, I was thinking something along the lines of just the way in which we wear blinders. You know, or I was thinking meta blinders. Yes, yes. Blinders that actually blind us to entire categories of reality. And that's what the aqua model is. And thank you, Ken Wilber. Oh, thank you, Ken. Yes. And the quadrants merely state that these, these four dimensions of reality, my interior of me, that my upper left, the uh, exterior where you and I are having a connection, Keith. Mm -hmm is uh, the lower left, and mm -hmm. to the degree that we're having a mutual understanding. 
Well, the exterior is the lower right. If you're and looking the exterior at is the lower right, where we're yeah. using our Zoom platform yeah. and you know we're all the technology and all of that good stuff. Yeah. And then my body and my behaviors in the world is the upper right. And that uh, we can come at any situation where we're sort of trapped in one or the other, or maybe two of, of them, you know, two, two, two poles, the individual, the collective, or the interior, or the exterior. And, uh, and in a way, that's probably developmentally appropriate because, some, you know, you got to get your arms around one before you can do the thing that we want to do at Integral which is be aware that there's always all four. Yes. Everything is tetra arising and it gets slippery to try to say whether it's this quadrant or that quadrant because all four quadrants are always online. And so yes. we start with that assumption and we, we you know, work on uh, dropping our blinders so that we can, as you say, integral is not about being right about things. It's just about seeing more of what's available to see. Yeah. It, you know, um, and it changes us. Uh, and, and it's useful for me periodically. It, it, the nice thing about being a therapist is that you're always kind of hitting all kinds of different nooks and crannies and, and biases and stuff all up and down the spiral. Um, the little way, oh my God, that kind of wake you up. But you tend to normalize things. I, you know, I teach the beautiful, good, and true. I teach the quadrants often because people will be arguing, um, trying to argue in the right quadrants, you know, give each other facts about a left quadrant distress, you know. <laughs> you know and, and so I'll say, well, wait a minute. You're, you really don't are disagreeing about facts here. You're disagreeing about the morality of the moment. Or you're not, you know, you're not disagreeing or you're disagreeing about what's attractive to you or unattractive. And I'll explain the... Yeah. the Oh, I mean, these, this is the key to so much consternation. Uh, arguments where people are literally arguing from different quadrants and they're not even picking up each other's signal. You know, and then, and, and just to, to just throw another log on the fire, so to speak, so you get, so you can notice the quadrants. Well, then you go, that really isn't enough for a full understanding because you have to understand about shifting states of consciousness, which changes our worldview and perspective, different altitudes on lines and levels, which changes our, 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 our perspective and, and different types. And, and, you know, when I was preparing for this, I thought, you know, I'm probably feeling, I'm going to ask Ken about this the next time I talk to him. I'm probably feeling a little bit about what Ken felt over the years as he developed integral theory. Because I was going, no, that's not an adequate explanation of the present moment. And, and so Ken kept on reaching and expanding until he found the minimum number of dimensions that gave the maximum number of, amount of understanding of the present moment. And once you get it, it's, it's somewhat simple, but it's just staggering to me how he discovered these things, essentially. No, no it's really true. And, and then the other thing about it is once you see it, um, you'll notice all over the place, as you just said, how other people don't see stuff like this. Mm -hmm. um, now, what touched this off in me um, was Corey and I were having a conversation about Nassim Harimane, the physicist. And I was uh, explaining, the, I'd heard a talk. Now, is this was, the, the author who writes about uh, human or sapiens or uh, what's his name? Nassim Harimane is, is a physicist, uh, uh, an, an, an somewhat of an avant-garde physicist, okay. who has um, developed a series of models that, that um, um, offer alternative understandings of the standard model of physics, where his mathematics is more accurate than the standard model of physics. Okay. And I've always loved this guy. And I, I went to a talk with him once, had a little conversation with him, and I followed his work somewhat. And in his work, he, he has an explanation of the entangled universe uh, um, where if you separate photons and you, you and put them thousands of miles away and you influence one, the other one's instantaneously influenced. That's a simultaneous transfer of information. That's not supposed to be possible in an Einsteinian universe, even though Einstein's equations made for spooky actions at a distance. And so Nassim's uh, research indicates that the, the way that this works is all the protons and electrons in the universe are connected via wormholes. 
if you, if you can believe that, and that those wormholes are arranged in holarchies, even though he doesn't use that term, and that those holarchies eventually, when you get to the level of consciousness, are somewhat inf are influenced, there's some indication that they're influenced by human intention. I know I found that delicious. And I was talking to Corey about it. And Corey said, well, wait a second. I just want to make a caveat here where we're not trying to reduce consciousness to quantum entanglement or quantum fields. And I, I, was, I, was, I was watching and going, yeah, of course. And then I thought, you know, Keith, you were assuming that. I mean, I was just assuming, of course I'm not. I, I don't, reducing one quadrant to another quadrant doesn't make any sense to me now that I've internalized the quadrants. Right. Um, um, it, would, it would feel intuitively, my unconscious would say, no, no, something's wrong. I don't even have to consciously pay attention to it. You know, your unconscious develops, so it's, it makes discernments yeah. for you. Yeah. And then I thought, wow, so let's look, that, that's interesting. He wanted to make sure people didn't do uh, quadrant absolutism with this talk about entangled fields via holarchies of wormholes. Well, it, it sort of shows up that way in a way, because if you're, if you're saying that, you know, uh, reality is reducible to wormholes, uh -huh. uh, that's still in the upper right. Or yeah. sorry, that's still in the right-hand quadrants. That's that's part of the material of life, however subtle it is. Right. And consciousness is non-material reality. It doesn't have material reality, but it's a dimension of reality. It's just a non-material dimension of reality. And it's an interior experience. Yes. It's unqualifiable and irreducible. Yes. You know, it'd be like trying to to say. I can understand a TV program by understanding the ele the electromagnetic waves of the TV program. Right. You know, no, you can't. Right. <laughs> you know, exactly. why? Because because you can't. That's yeah. why. It's yeah. irreducible. Um, so and we, if we just stop right there and, and see how most of the modern world is just gravitationally pulled to the right-hand quadrants, to the material quadrants. Of what's yeah. actually, you know, even this, you know, explanation of wormholes and so forth. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it still wants to be there. And that, you know, actually the stage before modernity really skewed the other direction to interiority yes. and our faith and God and, you know, myths and our understanding and, you know, all of that religious experience. And there wasn't much on the material side of the street. And so we can see that the um, development of human consciousness has been the sort of careening back and forth between the individual, the collective, the exteriors, the interiors, and that that's one of the ways that we can understand development is seeing that different stages are attracted to different quadrants. We can also see that in terms of types with the Enneagram or whatever typology we're using, that different types of the Enneagram are, I'm a five, I'm drawn to the upper left, oh, I love the upper left. Yes, but, me you too. Know, <laughs> there are other things, and uh, even that understanding has helped me to not argue for my deficiencies quite as much as I used to. And to realize that I have to inhabit these other quadrants just to be more Jeff. Yeah. And, and, and what it does is at any given moment, it gives you the, the possibility of saying, what can I add to this moment to make it a deeper, richer moment? Thank you. And that's what integral, once you get integral, um, you, it, it's, it's, it very much as if like Dorothy landing in Oz and everything's in color. Mm -hmm. And it's in color from that, from now on. Right. That's right. Um, and uh, so going back to, to, uh, to uh, quadrant absolutism, as human beings, we are biased to, get, to focus in on one set of perspectives and to hang on to them. Okay, that's a survival characteristic based on the drives. Um, now that doesn't, we also have a, a drive to self-transcend and to grow, which involves understanding, having deeper and deeper understanding. Now that deeper understanding, interestingly, is explained differently at different value memes. At a tribal level, it's somebody who's more connected to the other world. Um, on a power God level, on a red level, it's somebody that has got, I am God dominating you. 
Um, on an amber level, it's somebody who's a, who's a more adept intermediary between us and um, an anthropomorphic god of some sort or god or gods. On an orange level, it's whoever can 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 create the most success and profit and 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 um, victory. You know, they're luminous. You know, on an orange level, Tom Brady is luminous because he wins all the time. You know, and Bill Gates is luminous because he's made a shitload of money. On a green level, it's somebody that embodies universal love, and I love everybody just the same. I'm Mother Teresa. You bring anybody on, and you go, God, that is so perfect. That is so beautiful. So, and that's so spiritual. On a, and then on, when we hit teal and turquoise, it's, it becomes much more personal and visceral, where every single one of those things exists, and, it, and it, there's, a, there's an emphasis on any one of them at any given time. Yeah. No, that's and right. And that emphasis at any given time is is dependent upon a lot of things. For instance, all four quadrants, uh, lines, levels, types, and and states. Um, and there's a there's a, a morality because you know we're we're talking about moral development because an integral lower left has to do with moral development. You take moral development all the way into the second tier, and what you're dealing with is a morality that serves the highest good. And then eventually serves the highest good, not just of people, but of all of life, and then of all creation, and then of some the, the, the mysteries of the divine plan, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, that morality then helps inform us. But our tendency is to lock in on one quadrant and go, oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, that's part of the developmental move is seeing that. Yes. So, you know, this is, this, it's, it, 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 this is a practice of actually making this happen. So, uh, as you said earlier, when you know, you, we're faced with any situation, let's notice, first of all, that we want to see it from one quadrant. Yeah. We wanna, that's going to be our home base where we're going to feel most safe and most competent, whatever. Fair enough. Got it. And then I want to bring on the other. You know, and I want to actually fill that in as best I can, just consciously as a practice. So just to give you an example for me, um, just politics. I mean, one of the ways that we can use politics, which is so juicy right now and so full of energy, is that we can consciously work on adopting uh, the view of our political opponent. Yes. And, and seeing that their explanation for the problems of the world and, you know, and their, di you know, their diagnosis and treatment may have something that mine didn't. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I mean, even, I think one of the things that has really that we've all woken up to, I think is we're actually having this cultural evolution at warp speed, Keith. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. And I'm excited really by it. Something. And just to use it in terms of this political thing is that mm -hmm. I think one of the things that my fellow liberals have realized is that there's the, the lower left was more important than we thought. We thought it was all economics. What's the matter uh -huh. with Kansas? You know, they get all this money, they, they serve it, they, they don't. They, it, it turns out that it's not the economy, stupid. It's the cultural identity, stupid. Or at least at this time, at this stage of the game, we have to move in that direction because that part had been underserved. <laughs> and so that's just, that's, you know, movement into another quadrant. I want to actually feel my way into that and, and notice my resistance. And, but that's the practice. I agree. Uh, and, and, and if, if you're a seeker, um, you know, here's the paradox. Seekers want answers, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I've always wanted answers. I, 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 I've been a seeker my entire conscious life to, 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 to all my knowledge. And it's kind of disconcerting. It, well, if, if you're an effective seeker, you go up the levels and you get to the point where at teal and turquoise, you begin to find out, hmm, there really aren't any 100% answers anywhere. Not only are there aren't, aren't any 100% answers, but the very language that I'm using to understand the universe itself is um, changeable, fallible, not, not really entirely applicable. So fabulous, Keith. So well said. It, and that's really challenging. You yes. know, because we feel, you know, having these, uh, uh, you know, 
solid worldviews that we've worked hard for. You know, developmentally, they're an achievement. Yes. And they help us see the world and understand it and feel safe and feel real. You know, and then all of a sudden, you want me to blow that up and, and accept, the, you know, all this stuff that I have con concluded after long analysis and experience is full of shit. Uh, oh, my it, God. <laughs> it's it's really something. And uh, but but you can't not do it if you're ready, because otherwise you're too bored. You know, I can only listen to the same ideology over and over again so many times. Until I'm bored with it. I get it. I got it. And the reason I'm bored with it is because I got it. That's good. And going back to politics, I, I know I said this a year ago, that I've, I'm more patriotic than I've ever been before. I know. Why is that? Well, I've, I've had to, you know, I've had my lower left, you know, biases around, around uh, conservative ideology that we've talked about in other shows and stuff. Yeah, me too. But as I, but I'm not sad. That doesn't meet my my beautiful, good, and true validity standards. And so I've had to keep deconstructing until I find something that meets it better. And one thing that meets it better is there's there's this foundation bedrock in America of the Constitution that that makes it impossible for anybody to dominate another group past a certain point. And at that particular point, all of a sudden, I have a subject. Now, this is going to the lower left and the upper left. In the upper left, I feel more secure personally. And in the lower left, I feel more of a sense of affinity and shared membership with all Americans. And then beyond that, with everybody that gets to be in a culture where they're protected on a basic foundation individually from yeah. other groups and from the government. Yeah. Um, and that sense of shared membership then makes it makes it much emotionally on again going back to my own emotional experience on the lower left and the upper left it makes it easier for me to engage with people with different ideas yes. even people that are hostile to my ideas because i feel that intense now if i go below that if i go below the constitution i get to our shared humanity um but also in human groups i have a genuine no offense to humanity, I have a genuine fear of human groups that aren't regulated by something like a constitution. Yeah. Because yeah. I know at some point they have the capacity to objectify Keith and screwing. Yeah. And that's, and that's a form of quadrant absolutism. Yeah. You can almost always tell that there's a form of quadrant absolutism happens, and it happens in every value meme in the first tier, when some individual or group gets objectified and no longer has human status. Yeah. Okay. And yes. at that point, you are divorcing yourself from certain key elements yes. of the beautiful and good validity standard. Yes, yes, and and specifically in this case, the lower left. Yeah, you know this this liquid space that we all are part of. This 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 us that's greater than the sum of the eyes. You know, and that is a dimension of reality that we have tended to lose sight of as we move into modernity. And even postmodernity has people that they, they want to leave out. So, you know, when you talk about the, one of the characteristics of moving into integral and, you know, this territory that we're talking about is that you realize that all of these facts and ideologies are not quite as adequate as we thought. And so, but there is a new thing that comes online at this point. And that is just, you get to relax into that the system's growing, that, you know, that I'm growing, I'm a growing being and a growing cosmos. And that I could actually relax a little bit and be lived. I don't always, I'm not quite as in charge as I thought. And that there's this updraft <laughs> of Eros that I can begin to relate. That's how I start relating to things then, instead of ideologically. And, and just to go back to the yeah. example you were using a minute ago. So then the Constitution, I realize the ideal, of course, is that it keeps people from dominating. The reality is it didn't. You know, we had yeah, slaves, right. you know, quite a lot of domination. But we, if we bring in this growth model, we can see that there is this updraft. Mm -hmm. And there are, you know, notches that we, we don't fall below. You know, we're not, no danger of bringing back slavery. You know, yeah, thank God. And so that we can trust that. 
And so that becomes the new thing. And it's, you know, everything's a verb all of a sudden. And that's cool. That's what Bugmaster Fuller said. They said, uh, how do you describe yourself? He said, I'm a verb. <laughs> that's, that was his description. Right now, on. I want to give two examples of quadrant absolutism. Okay. Okay. Because as we develop and as the forces that you describe, one thing that is always true is we also are human beings and animals that have the drives and the instincts um, that are always operating on us. And those drives and instincts push us to quadrant absolutism, and they push us to um, domination and submission, dominate or hierarchy. Absolutely. And one a good example of that from an individual standpoint is a panic attack. If I have a panic attack, then I am, I am now dominated by the upper left quadrant. You know, I might know that, you know, I'm not going to die. Okay, because I, can, I know that from science that people don't die from panic attacks. But, you know, when I'm having a panic attack, I can just give a fuck about science because I feel like I'm going to die. I know from the lower left that people get panic attacks. It's just a reaction that happens psychophysiologically. And then they pass less as a short period of time. And then, you know, you're back on board. Um, I don't care about that. It feels like it's lasting forever. I can even know that it's my dorsal ventral, uh, my, uh, my, my, my dorsal medial uh, prefrontal cortex that's making me think it's going to last forever. I still don't care about that. I right. have been hijacked by the upper left quadrant in that panic attack. That's one example of quadrant absolutism. Yep. Here's a second one. Second example of quadrant absolutism is a couple is having an argument about him having an affair. Okay. Okay. So it's two months later and he broke up with her and everything. And he looks at his wife and he goes, I don't see why you're still upset. You know, I, I stopped seeing her two months ago. I'm never going to see her again. I realized that I really screwed up. I said I was sorry. She looks at him and she feels the re-stimulation of the drive of mate protection, the jealousy, the sense of injury and betrayal, the fact that her universe has changed irre irreparably. Her universe didn't have affairs in it before, and now it does. And she looks at him and, she, and, and makes an incredibly strong, Laurel, you... you you son of a bitch, okay? So he says, but, but the facts are, he's all caught up in the facts over on the, you know, the right quadrant, the lower right, the lower right. I'm not having communication. The upper right, I don't care about her anymore. Why are you upset? She's completely caught up in the lower left and the, and the, upper, the upper left, I'm feeling totally freaked out and betrayed and frightened. And the lower left, you were so wrong. And so they'll be having this argument. And I'll say, look, and I won't say you're having quadrant absolutism because Jesus, you know, I only have an hour for a session, an hour and a half, and I can't explain it. I can't explain integral to in three hours, much less than, you know, one minute. But I'll say, you know, you guys are really on different channels here. You know, you need to understand, you know, and I'll explain about her experience to him, and I'll explain about her experience, his experience to her. You know, yeah. and and when they can lower their arousal levels enough to, to let it register. Because this is how the quadrants interact. If your level of physiological arousal goes past a certain point, you know, you can see it with your pulse going over 100, your stress pulse, mm -hmm. you lose your capacities to process information, encode stuff, and think. So when that happens, you are pretending to talk but can't really talk mm -hmm. over here on the upper left. Yeah. You lower your arousal level on the, on the low upper right. Then on the upper left, you can begin to... Um, be accessible on the lower left you can begin to share perspectives and then what begins to happen is you have an ability to receive influence and change and grow and quadrant absolutism is we're resisting influence from someplace else usually another quadrant to have a wider deeper better yeah. more compassionate more beautiful and true perspective yeah. and that's why a rigid positions um, are, now, once you, once, you, once you integrate integral into your unconscious, you just get reflexively suspicious of, in, of rigid positions of any sort. Totally. Okay. Just, yeah. Isn't that great? I mean, that's I actually so. good. I'm like, let's pause for a moment because it's a reliable marker that I don't want to be here or, you know, that there's something more. And at this point for me, you know, clearly I spend a lot of time there unconsciously. But more and more, I notice it. And it's like, this isn't enough. 
You know, I want more quadrants. You know, yes. I, want, I want more of life to be online here. And um, and I love when I was looking at some of the stuff you sent me that how it has, in your case, really lit up your therapeutic. Yeah. Psychotherapy, you know, it, it, it is frustrating. Um, you know, I've, I, now I've done my part. I've read eight books, and, and two of them are specifically on integrally informed psychotherapy, psychotherapy, and I'm an integral psychotherapist enthusiast, as you know, everybody around the world in integral knows. Um, but it's interesting to me, I, I, you can't really experience how liberating and cool that is from the outside. You know, looking at integral like an object doesn't get you integral. In, in a way, it's like looking at a poem from the outside. Yeah, it's a bunch of words. They, they you know, okay, Phil, re, re, Ricky's waking point. I wake to sleep and take my waking slow. I learn by going where I have to go. So if I just look at those words from the outside, they do nothing for me. If I look at them from the inside. Okay, so here we're talking about the left quadrants versus the right. That's right. If you have an upper left, if you have a, if you have an upper right or a lower right understanding of integral, it's not that much fun. If you have an upper left and a and a lower left understanding of integral, the world it has shifted and become bigger, wider, more luminous, and so have you. You've shifted. Um, in psychotherapy, this helps because it it brings together an awful lot of strands and and. The thing that I notice about gifted therapists is most gifted therapists operate from a teal altitude where even if they have no idea, most of them don't, what a teal altitude is. The reason for that is that in psychotherapy, um, you train your unconscious to join with somebody else to co-create moments, and you can't enact all psychotherapeutic systems simultaneously. You know, so you're saying you're working with the client in this sort of interdependent system of mm-hmm all kinds of possibilities. Mm-hmm. So keep going. And so out of that arises something uh, for me in my unconscious about what particular line we're going to go, what particular thing to focus on, what particular aspect to zero in on at this moment. And then the, the, the therapy session is co-shaped by me and my, my, my the person I'm working with. Um, now, I know that there's a lot of unconscious stuff happening. And I know that as I've developed over the years, there's more and more unconscious processing happening. But also, I know that I'm missing stuff. Right. Um, I also know that I'm, I'm going to be biased, going back to quadrant absolutism, I'm going to be biased to whatever has been exciting me the most in the recent months. Yeah, and, it's interesting. You're, you're talking about something that I can actually sort of trace through the developmental levels. And that is, you know, at a certain stage of development, when you have kissed a lot of frogs or brought them all on and we have this whole big thing. Uh, There is just a natural wisdom that arises where because you have so many options and you can't be conscious of it, again, at Integral, we're sort of identified with this space within which perspectives are arising. You know, so there they all are. And but there is a wisdom that brings the proper perspective to view when needed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. And, 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 and in Buddhism, especially at Naropa, where I went, the, the, the university founded by Tr- Chokum Trumpa, he was quite uh, emphasized aesthetics a lot and talked about the idea of first thought, best thought. Mm-hmm. So whatever's coming to you in this moment that you actually need it when you're doing a painting or calligraphy or whatever it is you're doing or, or, or therapy. Or in my case, I was doing clergy work, you know. Uh, uh, But so you really pay attention to the thing that's arising. So there's that at a sort of a more rarefied level. And then we can go back down to, and you talked about this in your notes, people who say, I just rely on my gut. Well, two different things, you know, the same strand. They're sort of the same line of development. But one of them is where you're just down in pre-operational, concrete operational, you know, whatever feels right, do it. Right. It, you know, uh, E.O. Wilson, in his book, Consilience, he was trying to create an integral univ- universal understanding independently, like a lot of people do. A lot of brilliant people do. 
And it was a great book. I, I highly recommend it. And if you're an integral enthusiast like myself, you're going to be periodically frustrated reading it because of his blind spots. Yeah. He, says, he says, yes, I am a scientist. Scientism. Accuse me of scientism. Yes, I plead guilty to, to, to scientism. Then all throughout the book, he's coming from the upper left and the lower left without really recognizing it. And in one part, he's quoting the research that's been done on primitive and, uh, thinking and modern thinking. Primitive thinking is defined by people going with their first solution or their first thought without considering that there might be a better solution or a better thought. Um, now, this is going back to the whole concept of receiving influence. Um, and psych psychotherapy is great this way because if whatever you're doing with your client isn't working, you're getting signs that it's not working. And so what you do is you just change channels. Now, you know, if you're an integrally informed therapist, you've got a lot of channels to change, change to. But it's always arising intersubjectively until you find a channel that seems to be working in terms of someone understanding themselves and being liberated to think and feel and behave in more healthy fashions as measured by uh, aqual understanding. Um, and I think this is why a lot of psychotherapists are so excited about integral because they go, yeah, I've been doing this, but now this is, this is more clarification about it and also gives me places to go. Um, particularly because one of the things that you're supposed to do as a therapist, um, in my opinion, I think therapists um, relate, teach, inspire, confront, interpret, and direct. I think therapists do those things. And in my book, Waking Up on Integrally Informed Psychotherapy, I, I say, well, what do therapists actually do? They relate, they teach, you know, they get in a relationship, they teach, they inspire people, they interpret, they confront, and they direct people to do things. You could say the same thing for coaches and so on. Well, to do that, you, you kind of need to have an understanding of lines and levels because you want people to be true to whatever their current developmental points are in the healthy versions, that's horizontal health. But you also want to give them little vi visions of where they're going. That's vertical health. Because if I can see the mountains, it's a lot easier to walk towards the mountains. Okay? Um, and to be able to, to give that vision as, uh, as an integrally informed therapist, you need to know what the mountains are like. You know, you need to be able to experience the mountains and have a visceral sense of them and so on. Now, what's hard about that, because everybody does change work as an enthusiast, once I get enthusiastic about something, I kind of like it. I kind of resist it's wanting to a shift. particular modality of therapy. Yeah, something or, or, or a moment. You know, say, you know, when I did, when I taught Gestalt, I, I learned Gestalt and then taught Gestalt. I was doing Gestalt dialogues up and down the, uh, all the time. When I, learned, <laughs> when I learned EMDR, you know, I was doing EMDR like in half my sessions for a year or two. I mean, you, right. get, you get it. And so I know that I'm, I know that, that I am biased in different ways. And, and I'm not trying to not be biased anymore. I'm just trying to notice my bias Thank and, you. and ask myself, okay, That's is the practice right there? Just is there notice. a better way? Yeah, just noticing. And, and knowing that there's a place to go and yeah. being organized about, that's the integral mindfulness. Yeah. Organized well, about and, and, and that there's place a place is. to go and that we're already programmed and there's also an engine that's taking us there. Yeah. You know, and, and we sort of, we can, you know, sort of get out of the way and we can do practices to help and we can know what's going on. But it's happening under its own power in many ways. And we can see this in psychotherapy. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, most of the psychotherapists I know, and perhaps I know the more progressive subset of psychotherapists, but they're not satisfied with any one modality anymore. You know, everybody, the people who have been to, you know, whether it's going to be something in the, more in the upper right, so it's going to be maybe martial arts, or it's going to be something that is behaviorism, uh, food, you know, yeah. and, and nutrition, that sort of thing. Exactly. I mean, they can't unknow that when they come back into a therapeutic environment or the socioeconomic, you know, how that plays into people's upper left. So that's the lower right and even lower left playing into the upper left. And so people who have anxiety often, you know, they get it honestly, their life is really tough, you know? And so just bringing that, knowing that just naturally gives you more capacity to help. That's all you know, we're after. You know, I've been listening to a lot of, I listen to the lectures all the time. Uh, that's one of the ways I like to 
you know, kind of keeping track of all the knowledge. And so I've been listening to a lot of um, really brilliant people, naturopaths, um, orthomolecular uh, people, functional medicine people, talking about anxiety and depression. I, I got about 60 lectures of them. And I love these people. And I'm, I'm learning really interesting things. And I'm, I'm really, really surprised at how little they know about psychotherapy. I go, wow. And how little, interesting. And how little I've known about, you know, there's a, there's a gene called the MTHFR gene, people who, that, that has to do with, with um, uh, how well you metabolize folate. Well, that actually has an effect on mood. I didn't know that. Um, and so I'm thinking, all right, uh, I can get excited about how I can help somebody with their depression because they have a trauma history or because they have a poor relationship with different aspects of themselves, for instance, or because um, you know their type of person is more of a depressed type of person that needs to work harder and having an optimistic. But you know, they also might have poor sugar metabolism. Uh, they also might have a thyroid problem caused by inflammation caused by a leaky gut, for Christ's sake. Okay, um, and so listening to all this stuff, I'm going. These, the, 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 we're all we all get excited by whatever it is that transformed us. And what I don't want to do is I don't want to lose the sight, sight of the fact that there are other dimensions, and I could be guided to them often by by aqual yes. understanding, particularly the quadrants, to know that you know whatever understanding I have, if it's helping somebody, that's good. But there's always something else that's probably great. Um, and I've gotten a lot more uh, uh, free about, uh, in, as the years have passed, referring people to all kinds of other practitioners in areas where those practitioners are super yes. excited and knowledgeable and I'm not. Yes. And this is a de facto cultural professional evolution that we're seeing happening in real time. Yeah. And I think of this, the, the, the state of psychotherapy when I first started versus now. It's and, 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 and in a way, everything. I mean, we, we talked about politics just briefly. Um, you know, I think of foreign policy and um, is there anybody now who thinks that we can uh, go and remove a dictatorship and that the people will automatically, you know, greet us as liberators and arise into a constitutional democracy? Yeah, right. That's what a lot of people thought. Cheney uh, thought that. Cheney was convinced uh, of Lots that. of people thought that. I thought it was plausible. You know, I did. I mean, I, 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 but I don't anymore. And part of that is, and, and this, and I'm talking just the, the, the good old brute central establishment view has taken that into account now. The whole lower left culture and consciousness. They don't see necessarily consciousness. There's still a little bit of a taboo about, you know, making statements about other people's consciousness. But we could certainly see their culture. And, uh, and, that ha and everybody takes that into account now, virtually. You know, Ken said in, in Integral Methodological Pluralism that there's eight zones. And that if, if you're cross-validating, you know, four quadrants, eight zones, if you're cross-validating across those zones, then and it, and if, and if, you, if you get a check on all eight, you're doing pretty well. And so what didn't happen in the march up to war to Iraq, the lower left, particularly cultural anthropology, was literally invisible to the decision makers. Right. You know, they were projecting their own fantasies into other cultures. And, and nobody thought, well, we should go talk to some cultural anthropologist about our assumptions. Now, this, now when, whenever you get assumptions and you don't want to get input about your assumptions, that's a rigid position. And, you know, we talked earlier about what rigid positions do. They mean right. that we're getting into some quadrant absolutism and something bad is going to happen to somebody. And sure enough, something bad. And the other thing that you're mentioning, which is the whole rising tide floats all boats, is that it's interesting now that the culture makes that assumption. You can't just remove a dictator and a constitutional – the constitutional democracy is actually quite challenging and hard. And really it's a developmental goes, stage. You, you, you can't just make it happen. The cultures have to grow into it. It goes against the drives. You know, you, the, uh, you do not have a stable constitutional democracy until it is so embedded in the lower left yes. spirit that, that a power god in that culture – will defer power because of the Constitution, which is what happens in the United States and England. 
Okay, maybe some other place. I'm sure other places too, France, Germany, and so on. If it until it makes it all the way into the deep unconscious, the deep collective unconscious, then that culture is at risk of a dictatorship taking over. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, no, we have, I mean, I think one of the things that. we could take some comfort in is that there is that developmental move, that developmental urge that you know is working in every country. It's just part of the human you know, collective fabric. Uh, and, but in our lifetime, can we, you know, how, how could we make it happen? How could we support it happening? Um, you know, those are all good questions. And there are, you know, different points of view on them. But, uh, but that is the question. It's like, and it's not just a question of foreign policy and, you know, uh, uh, international relations. It's about intersubjectivity in general is that how can we help ourselves and the people around us to just grow? Because growing's built in. If you feed and water and put sunshine on somebody, they're going to grow. And caring is built in. Yes. I mean, yes. one, of the, one of the gifts of climate change and of the internet is that the climate change is a global phenomenon that, you know, everybody has to be world-centric to some extent if they recognize that climate change is screwing with everybody. And so it's making us more world. It will make us more world centric. Um, I think, and it, it has, yeah. uh, it also has separated the world centric people from the non world centric people. Yes. And so we have a big polarization going on because people until they're world centric, they don't get it. That's oh, right. Fuck you. You know, well, and it, what are your, mo what are your real motives here? And, you know, and they, they, it's just because they can't, it doesn't feel, they don't get it. They don't have receptors for it. And the internet can show us starving children in Somalia in real time. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you know, some people are proof against that. But, you know, the more we're all, we all can see each other, you know, and, and hear each other, the harder it is, the harder it is to dismiss each other. Yep. Um, yep. And so I, I think that the, the, those kinds of things are accelerating development yes certainly what it does in psychotherapy for instance people are way more psychologically sophisticated now in 2018 than when i started doing therapy in 1973 i mean i had to actually explain the unconscious to people or 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 family systems family systems wow what a radical idea or um you know reinforcement theory um, and, you know, things that everybody intuitively understands now because they're part of the cultural, uh, if they don't know the, the lingo, they certainly know the constructs. What that means is that the problems that I'm, I'm getting have more sophisticated and complex manifestations, which makes it fun for me. I mean, that I enjoy that in, in psychotherapy. Um, but also uh, it creates, you know, some kinds of problems too. Um, the kinds of problems that it creates and, you know, falls back to, if we look at the four quadrants, there's an awful lot of psychopathology that is being, um, uh, is being created um, by the new powers that are being developed in, uh, in public relations and, and in business. Uh, and so the sugar industry is creating more depression in the world. Okay. So right now they don't have social media is creating more anxiety. Social and, media and you know, video games and porn are developing more depression. Screen time. If you have more than six hours of screen time, you're you have a thinning cerebral cortex if you're a 14 and 15 year old kid. So so brains are being affected by too much screen time, which has behavioral effects. Okay, well, so you know, Ken said this. Uh, with every up leveling, there comes new pathologies. Yeah, yes. um, but then with new pathologies, I mean, the, there the, the, new the downside of the upside of the fact that we have enough to eat, which let me just point out, is true for the last 0.01 percent of human history. Right, enough to eat. Most of but us. The downside, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Uh, but the downside of that is obesity is diabetes, is fast food, is, you know, just all of the, there's all, there's a whole slew of pathologies that come along with that. Do we want that not to be true? No. 
We just want, as many of us have, learn how to live in the midst of it a healthy life. Yeah. You know, how to choose. And, how, and so it requires us to be more, uh, you know, have more of our own self-discipline online or whatever, just understanding. And that's, I, I think there's a net, an analogy there to the whole screen and internet and just this sort of fast, empty calories of pixel stimulation oh, yeah, right. that people are becoming hip to. And, you know, children aren't, it's just like you can't let children be free at a candy store. No. But uh, but as we grow and mature, we can begin to see and choose. And you know, do we want to get rid of this wonderful thing? No, but we have to bring some maturity to it. And this is another maturity is another way of saying development, which is another way of saying how do we make it more beautiful, good, and true? Yes. No. That's those are wonderful. Uh, you know, sort of magnetic poles. Yeah. You know, Ken. I, 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 it's, it's funny. I've been thinking about this a lot. How, how, how over time, how do you get the, the least number of perspectives that gives you the most accurate, not just sense of who you are in the world, but where you're going in the world? You know, when I wrote Integral Mindfulness, it was mindfulness is great. But once I'm fully present in the present moment, I need to be aware of the fact that I'm engaged in multiple individual and intersubjective processes all the time. And I'm directing those processes habitually mostly, but, you know, also by intent. And that I want, I, I need to have a direction. Otherwise, I'm directionless. And that direction can be informed by an integral understanding of what's healthy and unhealthy through the four quadrants, lines, levels, states, and types. And, and I can somewhat predict, if I continue to get healthier, how that's going to change my worldview in terms of vertical development and how it's going to change my body and my mind and my spirit in terms of horizontal health. Um, you know, that to me, that makes the, the universe a lot less scary and a lot more um, interesting. Hallelujah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. And, you know, you enter the realm of what you just described is I'm evolving myself. I'm, I'm consciously evolving. I'm co-creating myself because I got, I got it now. I see what's happening here. And I can actually consciously participate in it. Oh, my goodness. And when you do, what happens? You start having more and more impulses to help other people. Yeah. I swear that this must have been some seminal insight where the where the Mahayana uh, the Bodhisattva Val came from in the Mahayana Buddhism, yeah, absolutely. The second turning, when someone said it's not enough to just be enlightened, I don't want to get off the wheel until I've helped everybody else. Somebody got it as they developed. They went, you know, my own enlightenment really leads me to wanting to enlighten all beings. Yes, um, yes, I, and that that felt nothing short so, of that. It's like I don't. Well, I don't want to just be the only enlightened one. Right. You know, I mean, I, it's cool in a way. I kind of liked it. But at some point, I want more. <clears throat> you know, I, <clears throat> at some point, I want more. You know? I want more for you. Yes, I want more for you. That's the thing. Because I realize this, I have a bigger identity. It's no longer this small Jeff little clot. Yeah. You know, that, there's a bigger thing that I can identify with that includes you. And that is the inclusion of the you know, whole, well, certainly at the lower left quadrant, but all of the left-hand quadrants. And again, we, we want to just, you know, breathe in all four of them to see what's going on as best we can. And I think, I think that was part of the, you know, the Mahayana, the Buddhist, Bodhisattva vow was enough to change pretty much all of Buddhism to yeah. Mahayana Buddhism. But then Vajrayana Buddhism came around and said, well, it's not just helping everybody. It's like everything is an expression of God. That's Vajrayana Buddhism. And then Ken, in, his, in the fourth turning, said, well, yeah, not only is everything an expression of God, but there are structure stages that we can add on to that that give us an understanding of the, of the conveyor belt from, <clears throat> from birth Well, we can see you know, how we go from the Hinayana to Mahayana to Vajrayana. I mean, that itself is a developmental scheme. Yeah. You know, and and the and I would say the integral Buddhism, the fourth turning, is the seeing of that. Oh my God, you know, and and further that we actually want all of them. Mm -hmm. We do want that pristine, 
uh, practice of our own individual clarity and you know the upper left you know that 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 pre mahayana and then the mahayana that includes the other and then in a way vajrayana includes the the right hand quadrants you know yes, it does. the tantra and in and the systems and this whole mandala you know this whole cosmos and wow how about that and it's all happening all the time meaning that the drives are always still there. The instincts are always still there. I guarantee that if somebody, if Buddha's wife cheated on him, he would feel jealousy. He would, <laughs> go, he would feel may protection. And I guarantee that because that's not a choice. That's a drive. That's an instinct. Yeah. And so now how he'd process it. Yeah. Be, what he does with it is. He, yeah. he would process it in a very enlightened fashion, I suspect. Right. But he'd still have it. And, and one of the things about um, the, uh, the whole quadrant absolutism is thing is it keeps reminding me that it's not a I'm, I'm never going to suppress, and I don't want to, all the drives, but I can't be aware of how they act. Yeah, not only do you not want to suppress them, you want to be in close touch with them and feel the juice of them because they're, you know, they're little nuclear reactors. And as they get integrated, your unconscious will do the integrating for you which yeah. is one of the marks of consciousness development. If you include the drives, if, you, if you're doing, trying to do conscious development and instead of including the drives, you either try to suppress them or deny them and not integrate them, nope. what, what starts happening? Well, we all know what starts happening <laughs> in a spiritual community or if it's in a political community or any kind of, any kind of a group. If you're not seeing that shadow being driven by the drives, in, you know, threatened, creating, or dominance, you know, all those things, all those drives, if they're not seen and adjusted for from uh, a higher perspective, they're going to pull everything down into a lower perspective. And if people are too embarrassed to acknowledge they're in a lower perspective, they're going to be in a lower perspective pretending they're in a higher perspective like that couple who were arguing about him, him cheating on her. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's where a lot of people are. Sure. So here lies liberation. Yes. All right, Keith. You know, I, I, like I said, I'm roused from my sick bed. I can only take so much. Thank you. And thank you for rising for from your sick so. uh, This was so much fun. And thank yeah. you for having the talk. And yeah, my great just... privilege. My goodness. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I, uh, you know, the, 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 just taking off these blinders, it's just, it's just a simple enough practice, really, uh-huh. if you have a good map and, a, you know, good, some good instruction. And that's what Integral does. Again, thank you, Ken Wilbur. Thank you, Ken. And, um, you know, I guess thanks, everybody, for listening. Keith, anything yeah. you want to say? Oh, if people want to find out more about your stuff, where would they go, Keith? drkeithwitt.com. You can find my books on Amazon, my most recent one, Loving Completely, and then my books on Shadow, Shadow Light, and the Shadow Light Workbook, which, which the Shadow, Shadow Light um, deals extensively with discovering, observing unconscious processes, and then integrating them in every realm of de- development, um, you know, dreams, business, creativity, sex, that kind of stuff. Um, and Loving Completely does the same with uh, relationships. So go to my website, drkeithwick.com, or go to my books on uh, Amazon and uh, buy them and enjoy them yeah. and be transformed by them. <laughs> and you're also at Integral Life. Uh, you yes, do I am. A, a monthly live show on Integral Live. Uh, which is where I do the Daily Evolver podcast. That's and right, with so Corey. You can find your stuff there, too. Yeah, with Corey. On Integral Life, there's a lot of lectures, and Corey and I do Wit and Wisdom. That was his his name, but I said that's a good name, so we do I it. like it. Totally. <laughs> Perfect, actually. Where we have, uh, where we have talks. Uh, and and j- just for everybody listening, you know, one relationship in, the, in history that I find very fascinating is St. Teresa of the Cross, St. John of the Cross and St. Teresa of Avila. They used to get together and they used to talk to each other and be really, really happy. And in retrospect, it's because they had a second-tier understanding of Christianity. And there's something really beautiful about deep contact coming from that source place. 
That's so that's something, Jeff, that you and I have when we talk. And, and for those of you listening, when you've had these these deep connections with other people who understand integral or who understand something else, that deep connection is is one of our lower left connections in the in the, the divine. It's its own thing. And I just want to just point it out, and I want everybody to notice it when you're experiencing it, and recognize this is where the the, the integral um, um, shift, you know, the shift into the integrate integral age is happening. It's happening off of this deep inner subjectivity that we yeah. can experience with each other. Right. Right on, man. Well said. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Dr. Keith Witt. See you next time on the next episode of the Shrink and the Pundit. Much love to everybody. <laughs>